Well, again, good morning. Um, wanna let you know just how much uh, I personally miss you all. Uh, I wish there was more time to be together. Uh, I know many in our church right now, it's uh, an emotional time. Um, it's uh, harder uh, for some than others. But so far, even in the surveys we've done, most of you are, are doing okay, but it seems like a lot of the needs right now are emotional and prayer support. And so please know, um, we're not together, but uh, I am praying for you by name. Um, we have community group leaders that are praying for you by name. And uh, we just want you to know you're not alone in this. And so I want you to hear that this morning as we start off. Uh, secondly, I want to let you know kind of where we're heading for services over the next couple weeks. Uh, Good Friday is coming up on Friday, and our plan right now is we are going to deliver bags that have communion already re ready to go in there. We're going to make sure we do it the right way, but we're going to have pre-made cups and wafers for you for communion. We always like to take communion on Good Friday, and so those bags get delivered to your house uh, so nothing you need to do, but in there will be some instructions as well as some kids-friendly things for, for Good Friday. And uh, the plan is to record that lot, uh, to record that, and then post that on YouTube so you can follow along on Good Friday with reflection and taking communion at your house. And so uh, a little different, um, but I want to let you know that's kind of the plan. Um, the other plan is for Easter, and we are hoping and praying that uh, we can work through some of the logistics. We are right now working on trying to get a live stream ready. So if that becomes available, we will be able to live stream live on Easter. Um, if that happens, we will let you know. Um, but that is the plan. Um, if it changes and we have to do pre-recorded, we'll let you know that as well. But uh, don't like that we're not together on Easter, but give us an opportunity. Hopefully, if we can do it live to allow you to be part of those Easter services with us uh, at Community, one of the best times of the year for us. And so um, the other thing with that too is uh, we'd encourage you if you're um, wanting to, obviously Easter is a great time for family pictures and getting those together and dressing up. And so even in home, uh, we'd encourage you if you're doing that, um, send us some pics to the uh, to the website and or I'm sorry to the email there and also to Facebook. Uh, it'd be a great way to kind of be together, uh, just seeing faces and uh, Easter pictures together. So um, shoot those, send those out to us. That would be great. And then after Easter, we're going to change things up. We were going to be in 1 Corinthians for a little while, but we're going to change that up. And uh, we're going to do a new series. Uh, it's going to be a four-week series called Stronger. I think it's really important for us right now, especially with all that's going on. And so this will be how do we become emotionally and spiritually stronger. And we're going to talk about what many of you are feeling and that emotional tension um, but also how do we become spiritually stronger or not just emotionally stronger. So I think it'll be a really helpful series for us heading out of Easter and uh, four weeks. And then we're going to take a little bit of a jump back into 1 Corinthians. And then we have a summer series before we come back to 1 Corinthians in the fall. So that's kind of where we're heading. Um, last but not least, if you have any needs, um, please don't hesitate to email us. Let us know, prayer requests, things like that. If you need to schedule time to talk, uh, you can do that by just sending an email or calling the church office and we can schedule those, do it in the appropriate way. But if you need to talk or if there's just more of a need for face-to-face, -face, um, please don't hesitate to reach out. So, Well, again, this morning we are going to dive into uh, this idea of Christ uh, and Him who, who is 
he who he is as king and so we'd encourage you get the kiddos around give them some paper some crayon stuff maybe to work on uh we're gonna throw that in here in just a little bit but before we jump in i just wanted to pray for us as we start off our morning in god's word so God, we thank you so much for this morning. We thank you for being a king who is reigning on our behalf, who is alive right now. God, even in the midst of these hard circumstances, we pray specifically for our people um, here at Community that you would be close to them during this time. God, we pray for those in our community in Canal Fulton and Tusla and beyond in Lawrence Township. God, we pray that you would be close to them as well. Would you be awakening them to the need for, for you? Um, we pray for uh, sister churches, Maranatha and Medford and, and others, God, that are meeting the same way this morning. We pray that the word of God would be clear in how they present it as well. And God, that our family here um, would benefit from what you have to say from your word this morning. It's in your powerful name we pray. Amen. All right. So we're going to do this a little differently this morning, uh, but we are going to jump right in. So let me read out of Matthew chapter one. We're going to begin with a story. And so as I tell this story, it'd be really fun for kids, if you're in the middle of this, um, to just draw out what I'm reading. Um, Jesus gave parables and he gave parables for a reason. Uh, one is because stories stick with us and stories have dimensions that kind of trigger our imagination. So I'd encourage your kids, if they're young and, and uh, have some crayons and stuff, just to draw what um teaching on this morning. I think it'd be really fun to see those. If they have them and they're done, post them after we're done uh, on Facebook. We'd love to see them. So, but we're going to jump in with a story and then we're going to go to another story and then we're going to end out. All right. So it's a lot of story this morning as we jump into Matthew 21. Matthew 21 is a full version of the triumphal entry and Christ coming in as king. But I want to begin with this story. There was a master of a house who planted a vineyard so imagine that there's a, a guy who owns this large vineyard. He's planted it. So picture a vineyard, grapes and vines everywhere. It's green, uh, especially now with spring. It's easy to imagine that. He had planted a vineyard and put a fence around it and dug a wine press in it and built a tower and leased it to tenants and went into another country. So imagine the vineyards there. There's this fence all the way around it, whatever color you want to make it. There's a fence all the way around it. And then he dug a wine press in the middle of so this hole where they would, would step on the wine and, and crush the grapes that were there. And then he built a tower, which means that it was protected. That's kind of a cool part of the story. He says in this story, there was a tower built so that they could protect the workers who were working at the vineyard. And so there's tenants working this vineyard. And then, he, then the master went off to another country. And when the season for fruit drew near, he sent his servants to the tenants to get his fruit. And the tenants took his servants and beat one, killed one, and stoned another. That's a pretty brutal entry into the story. And again, he sent other servants, more than the first, and they did the same to them. Finally, he sent his son to them, saying, They will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and have his inheritance. And they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. When therefore the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do with those tenants? They said to him, He will put these wretches to a miserable death and let out the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the fruits in their season. 
And Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the scriptures the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous to our eyes. So there, there's this moment where he gives this parable, and it's a story of a tenant. We're going to come back to that, but I want to start us off with that visual. A tenant who's, who's leased out his vineyard, and he's given it to those to work. And instead of them being grateful for the work, they kill everyone who comes, including the son of the one who gave this vineyard. So we start there, and I want to jump from there into another story. Actually, not story, history. So jump from here 2,700 years backward in history. So we're going to go back 2,700 years to a kingdom, a kingdom that was laid out and it was beautiful. It was immense and it was a power of the land. And so everybody knew who this nation was. And this kingdom was at that point reigning and ruling. But now imagine in this time period, we're going back 2,700 years, that this kingdom that was once beautiful is now destroyed, laid empty. This superpower of a nation was now just barren and nothing left. So imagine a war-torn country with rubble and everything and walls are destroyed and it just looks very, very bleak. And in the middle of this destroyed city, it is empty because the people have been taken captive. Its king is no more and its city walls are torn down. Worst of all, its true king, seemingly absent, has left his people alone and dejected in captivity. It seems hopeless. We've lost our home. We've lost our nation. Our king is no more, and he's not coming back. Imagine that. I'm talking about ancient Israel, once a power nation with the world's wisest and wealthiest king, once a powerful nation with God as its epicenter, it had the best of both worlds. It had the wisest and wealthiest human king, and it was directed and led by God himself. The great I am, the Lord Jehovah, was the one leading Israel. So it had a human king and a, and a deity king who was reigning over it. It was led by God from the temple built for him, and it took seven years to make this temple. Now, those were the two kings but now we find ourselves where both kings seem to be absent. The human king is gone and also the um, divine king is gone. The kingdom that was powerful ruled for about 410 years during that time. But it was after that 410 years that we find ourselves in that 2700 mark. After that 410 years before its destruction at the hands of Babylon, it was ruling and reigning. But after that, that time, it was destroyed and it came at the hands of the Babylonians. A man by the name of Isaiah tells us about this destruction, as well as a prophet by the name of Jeremiah. What was once, again, powerful and economically secure was now bankrupt. What was once secure was now terrified. What was once solid was now destroyed. And Isaiah paints us this picture, this picture of a city in rubble, this picture of towns destroyed and villages laid out. And in this bleak landscape, there is a voice on the horizon. So you can picture yourself in this large amount of rubble that was once the epicenter of your town. And you can hear in the background the voice of a messenger, a voice of one coming and running towards what was once the temple, what was once the place where God dwelled. There's a messenger that's coming, and the messenger's running and he's yelling something, but you can't quite make it out. 
But as he's coming and as he's running, you can make out slowly but surely, he's saying two words. And as he gets closer and as he gets closer, you can hear what he's saying. And what he's saying are two words. And the two words he's yelling are good news, good news. And you wonder, what does that mean? You're sitting in this rubble and destruction and this guy's yelling good news? What is, what's he talking about? Well, enter into the story of destruction, a ray of hope. And here's what Isaiah has to say about this idea of this messenger that's coming, what he has to say. He says, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news. That's going to be important for us. Who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. Wait, our God reigns? We're destroyed. There's nothing left. What do you mean our God reigns? Good news was meant to usher in that there is a king coming. So in this announcement, good news to them meant that there is a king and he was to return. He says, your God reigns and he will return. Verse, uh, Isaiah 40 verse 9 says this, go, up, go on up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem. Herald of good news, lift it up. Fear not, say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. So again, there's this hope and this thing that's to come. He, he continues on in 52 verse 12. He says, when your king comes, for you shall not go out in haste and you shall not go in flight. He's talking about the exodus there where they had to leave very quickly. He says, this won't be like that. For the Lord will go before you, and the God of Israel will be your rear guard. He says the Lord will be in front of you, and he will be behind you. That's an amazing picture. In battle, he will be the first one to take the hill, and he'll be the last one to make sure everybody's off the hill. And then he goes into another verse, and there's more hope to come. In verse 41, verses 18 to 20, he says, I will open up rivers on the bare heights and fountains in the midst of valleys. I will make the wilderness a pool of water and the dry land springs of water. He says, I will put in the wilderness the cedar, the acacia, the myrtle, and the olive. He says, this place will be amazing to look at. In the midst of what seems bleak, there will be hope, he says. He continues, I will set in the desert the cypress, the plain, and the pine together. Not plain as far as like the, the, the kind of you know, wood, but he says the plain, as far as like a level ground, it will be empty, but yet a pine will be with it, a pine together. And they may see and know, may consider and understand together that the hand of the Lord has done this. The Holy One of Israel has created it. He says in the midst of this bleak and unknown, he says there will be hope. There will be return of the King. He promises even in verse 11, he says, behold, all who are incessant against you shall be put to shame and confounded. Those who strive against you shall be nothing and shall perish. He says in verse in chapter 40, he says, when he returns, he will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead them, lead those that are with young. He says, it will be a shepherd who is returning and it will be a very fatherly role as he comes and he brings this hope out of despair. In the midst of rubble and despair, this messenger is coming with good news. And Isaiah says this good news is that he will restore what was broken. This good news means a king will return. Which brings us to 
even more passages where he says not only that, but he says this king, he says he will come who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and marked off the heavens with a span and closed the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains and scales and the hills and its balance. He says this king will be mighty. This king will be a creator. This, this king will rule the world. Behold, he says, this kind of king, behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket and are accounted as the dust on the scales. Behold, he takes up the coastlands like fine dust. All the nations are as nothing before him. They are accounted by him as less than nothing and emptiness. He says all of this world is his. He's the ruler. He's the one who will make the change. And so in the midst of this, here's our first point this morning. This king who we serve, who was promised in Isaiah, who was coming in the midst of this despair, is this. Do not remove the king's might from his meekness. Do not remove the king's might from his meekness. This king, as we said earlier, is one who measures the water in the hollow of his hands and marks off the heavens with a span and closes the dust of the earth in a measure and weighs the mountains. This king is mighty. This king has power. And yet, he chooses at times to be meek. He chooses at times to be lowly. We're going to see that in a minute. But don't ever mistake his might or his power with his meekness. Now, I want to fast forward 500 years, right? So we said the first point again, don't mistake his meekness for his might and and the vice versa. And so uh, I want to fast forward 500 years here. So this is after the messengers come, there's nothing but silence. And then for 500 years, there's, there's just nothing. And then eventually we get into Luke chapter two, verses 10 to 12. And finally, we have another messenger coming on the horizon with good news. But thankfully, this is a very different messenger. Luke chapter 2, 10 to 12. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Isn't that great? The the messenger has come and it's not a human messenger. This is a divine messenger. The angels have come and said, finally, Israel, 500 years, you have now going to be able to see your king. After all of the destruction, after all the ruin, after the promised messenger, he has come. And he is here, which gets to the point number two, and that is this. Do not allow his delay to taint your view of his sovereignty, especially now in these times. Don't allow his delay or his silence to change your view of his sovereignty. God may be slow in our standards, but there is a time frame he's working on. He is sending this messenger at the exact right time, and the king has now arrived. And this king announces he has arrived even himself a little later on after his birth. He grows and matures, and he says this to John the Baptist. And Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. He says it in another way in Luke chapter 
4, verse 18, that he's actually fulfilled this, this thing of Isaiah chapter 61. Isaiah 61 says he'll bring good news. He'll, he'll preach to the poor, the brokenhearted. He says in 4.18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind and to set at liberty those who are oppressed. And he says all these things before we get to where we are in Matthew 21. See, 500 years he arrives on the scene. He starts telling the people who he is. They don't believe him. And it's not until 33 years after his birth that we actually get to Matthew 21. And here's where we focus this right now. Matthew 21. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey and a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. He is coming, as we've just said, in meekness, not with might, and he's coming at his own time and in his own sovereignty to where he is. 500 years after the messenger was talked about, 33 years after he was born, the king has finally arrived. Imagine being there that day. Imagine knowing that you were part of the crowd that maybe would have missed him. When I say missed him, I mean this. In verse 10 and 11, when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up by saying, who is this? And the crowd said, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. There are some that didn't even know who this king was. This king promised for 500 years, this God king was missed. Imagine the regret that you would have had in the crowd that day. Imagine leaving and not knowing and then finding out later that you missed an opportunity to see the fulfillment of prophecy come. This king has arrived. Imagine the regret that was there. And not just imagine the regret, but this is part of what we talked about at the very beginning. This is why I started with a parable of Matthew 21, 33. Because this is what he was talking about. This king that was promised, was promised through prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah. They were the ones who were the servants that were sent by the master into the vineyard. When the season drew near, he sent his servants to the tenants to get his fruit, and the tenants took his servants and beat one, killed another, and stoned another. That's what the prophets, those were the prophets. That's what he's talking about there. And then he says, he sent more servants, and they did the same to those servants. This is years of Israel's history. And again, he says, finally, he sent his son to them saying, they will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and have his inheritance. Matthew 21 is going to be the only time we get to see Jesus as truly represented and seen as king. From this point on, as we journey to Good Friday and Easter, many will start to reject and all of them now will start to go full, all the Pharisees will now start to go full force and trying to kill him. They will fulfill this parable here. They took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. And they said to him, he will put those, he says, of these ones that did this, the wretches to a miserable death and let out of the vineyard to other tenants who will give them the fruits of the seasons. Jesus said to them, have you never read in the scriptures the stone that the builders rejected had become the cornerstone and this was the Lord's doing and it is marvelous in our eyes. He says this meekness and this sovereignty was on purpose. This prophets of telling that the king was coming was on purpose. And finally he has arrived.
And I pray that we don't miss it even today. We, we have a week ahead of us to where we can hopefully spend some time just slowing down. You know, I think one of the things that this epidemic has done is it's messed up our schedules. It's completely ruined uh, our planning abilities. And we take it a day at a time now. And I wonder if God's not in the midst of that saying, I've slowed you down for such a time as this. And I've slowed you down at Easter of all seasons. I've slowed you down during Holy Week of all seasons. I've slowed you down to remember the King. And I don't know that for sure, but I don't want us to miss an opportunity that may be in front of us this week to seek after him and find him as King. Take this time this week, slow down with your family, slow down in your time with Christ specifically, and just spend time in prayer. One of the challenges I would give you is work through Matthew 21. From the beginning to the end of 21, it's all one big package together and it's all meant to kind of point you to the king who is not your typical king, who is on a journey to save us from our sins, who is on a journey to fulfill prophecy. This week, would you slow down enough with your family, with time with Christ predominantly, and just spend time with Jesus? Just meditate on this stuff. Don't go too quick this week. Allow times to breathe. Allow times to enjoy time with him this week. That's my challenge to you. And remember his might and his meekness. Remember his sovereignty and even his delay in your life. And remember of all of it, he is still ruling. He is still king. He has not left you. He has not left us. He is still ruling today. Let me pray for you as we jump into the last two songs this morning. God, we thank you for being king. God, we thank you for fulfilling prophecy. Thank you that we can trust you because you keep your promises for years upon years upon years. God, this morning, I pray that maybe some here, they just need to hear that, that you'd keep your promises. Maybe they need to hear this morning that you are that reigning king, that they can, they can approach your throne and they can speak to the king. Maybe this week they just need to hear that they're not alone, that you as king are praying for them. You see them. You know them. Maybe some of us, we need to repent and we need to turn and we need to say, God, forgive me for not treating you as king, but treating you as just another thing in my week. I don't know where we find ourselves, but I pray that this week we would spend time in Matthew 21 meditating on your word, seeing you on your journey to the cross. May you humble us. May we remember who we are as servants and you as reigning king. May we worship you as king in these next two songs. In your prayer, pray. Amen.